where it's at. I got two Dan tables and a microphone. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Where It's At. I am your host, Mark Pearson, and this is my harmonizing co-host, Dan Hornstein. If you haven't heard us before, this podcast is a music-based podcast for anyone who enjoys music or two men singing together. On this podcast, Dan and I each pick an album for the week, listen to it, then come together and give a brief bio of the artist, then discuss why we're better vocalists than they are, and then <laughs> pick, you know, have a conversation about it. I really thought, <laughs> I started laughing at myself because I thought you were saying, this is a music-based podcast for anybody who enjoys music or two men. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. Yes. yes, if you like music or doubling down, yeah. <laughs> with the boys. Uh, real quick before, yeah, real quick before we get into the music, you can find us on social media, and you can find me on Instagram at Mister Underscore Pockets Twenty One, or you can find Dan on Instagram at Dwight Privilege, and you can send us an email at wherepod at gmail dot com. Now that all that is out of the way, not to be confused with where pud. Yeah, where pud's not so a very get you good. Totally different. Yeah. That's a different email. Yeah, totally different. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, that's strike two, Dan. Yep. Let's get it. Let's get it <laughs> in check. Got to get it dialed in. Got to get the energy up. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so uh, here on this podcast, if you haven't heard us before, we have a. Uh, first part of the show is called Sniggles. It's our funny word for singles. And we each, you know, we'll pick a single and review it. So, Dan, what did you pick this week for your single? This week is a theme episode. Yes. We, if, if for anybody who may not have caught the previous episode, a little bit of exposition. Both Mark and I are listeners and subscribers to Apple Music. Apple Music just launched spatial audio ooh, mm. fancy with dolby atmos surround sound mm -hmm. and in essence what this is as i understand it is a different way of presenting the audio that's supposed to be a more immersive experience yeah the way that apple uh launched it they did a really cool thing that i liked with that guy zane Lowe, who i don't like but <laughs> Nothing against him, he just annoys me for some weird reason. But Zane Lowe does this tutorial mm -hmm. on, after you turn on and kind of activate Dolby Atmos and Spatial Audio, he takes a couple of songs, one of them being Marvin Gaye's What's Going On, mm -hmm. and gives you the mono version of what it sounded like, and then the stereo version of what it sounded like, and then the Spatial Audio Dolby Atmos version of what it sounded like and kind of highlights the differences and really gets you listening for some of those specific things. Did you get a chance to do that? The little tutorial? Yeah, I did the tutorial. Actually, I found yeah. that before you brought it up to me, I would, cool. I had already listened to that tutorial and I was like, Hmm, what's this? And so I'd been listening to it. So then when you told me about it, I was like, I had, it was, it was probably like the same day or the day after it was relatively close to the same time I discovered it. It was a big deal. I saw a bunch of news articles about it. So Apple's really, they're really pushing this. They're really trying to get it going. And so this week for both our sniggles and for our album choices, everything that we did, we were, I want to review it, not just in terms of what did we think of the song and the quality of the writing and things like that and the presentation, but I also want to be able to talk about some of the Dolby Atmos and did we, did it enhance the song for us? Did it take away from anything for us? Mm -hmm. So my pick this week was 
uh, one of the older songs um, from Dolby Atmos, where I guess spatial audio is really what they're saying. So I'll say spatial audio. And I picked When Doves Cry by Prince. Mm-hmm. They did a, there's a few different playlists of spatial audio, and this one caught me. Here's the thing. When I went back and listened to it, um, actually, I'm sorry, before I get into that, let's just talk about the song for a minute. I mean, first of all, the song's fucking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's Prince, it's Purple Rain, it's, it's When Doves Cry. I, I've always loved this song. It's always been one of my favorite Prince songs ever to begin with. Um, so right off the bat, and I'll talk about a little more of what I like and don't like about it. Uh, but it's, it's a four and a half beard song for me, just out of the gate. Right. Right. Um, turn on with the spatial audio. Did this happen to you? They cut out like the beginning little guitar riff Mm -hmm. that, that little, that little run wasn't. Wasn't there, and it 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 starts with just the you hear the guitar feeding back, and then the wow 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 kind of sound that comes in, mm. and that pissed me off. Yeah, it, you're changing the song. You're, you're yeah. You're you're taking away something that was there, and it's not there anymore. Yeah, that's that's pretty. even even the radio edit. I went, I checked like a few different things, like the radio edit version mm-hmm. that was released as the single still kept that part in. <laughs> Oh they cut out all the keyboard solos and like jam out section at the end of it. Right. To get it down to a radio runtime. But still I was like, come on. Like, so off the bat, there's I'm docking points on spatial audio for this. Mm-hmm. After that, there are some cool things that they did that I liked. Um, with, with the spatial audio specifically, uh, the drums, a lot, you know, it's a lot of program drums in when doves cry. And I really, that's really where I started to get that immersive experience to me. Everything felt a little more 3D, a little more surround mm-hmm. sound with the way that the drums were uh, going. I wanna, What I liked about this, other than the cutting out that little badass guitar run, um, I started to notice that I, I'm picking up on a lot more subtle things in the tracks that are in there, just little parts, little, little colors that I wouldn't have picked up on. Right. Had I not listened to it in spatial audio, just with regular stereo. Cause here's a song that I've listened to hundreds of times and I'm very familiar with it all the way through. And to hear little nuances that are kind of just buried in the mix on a stereo was very, very cool for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, for example, the, the vocal tracks, where for each, like for verse one versus verse two, you, I'm, I, I mean, I get the feeling, I'm pretty sure I wasn't in the studio with them, but I'm pretty sure those are two different takes mm-hmm. and they're in different placement. I can't, you know, kind of really articulate just audibly right. where it is, right. but it felt like they were in different parts of the room as I'm listening to it. And so I felt like this was very effective in terms of re- packaging and representing the audio experience. What about you? What did you think? I think it depends on the album and or the song and probably the person who mixed it because I've listened to several different artists just to try to get a feel for it. So I listened yeah. to I listened to like the, the tutorial ones. They think there was two tutorial tracks with a couple different songs. And so I will say this, um for that song, I think they did a good job. For uh, this this single that I picked, uh, which was Tom Sawyer by Rush, I don't think they did as good of a job. 
Oh, really? It for it just it felt like you could hear the differences. Like I go listen to the stereo version, I listen to the other version, and I could hear the differences, and it's subtle. But at least to me, it only it felt like it, I only noticed it if I was stopping and actively paying attention to it. So it yeah. didn't quite make me feel more immersed. It was just like oh, because like if I'm going around the house doing chores or whatever. I'm just listening to Rush. But if I'm sitting mm-hmm. there going, oh, what's different? How can I tell something different about this mix? Then I can pick it out, which to me, like it's cool and it's more immersive, but it's not, at least to me on this track, it didn't feel as advertised. Like on When Doves Cry? Yeah. And so yeah. I have noticed that there are, you know, there, and then I've listened to a few other songs. Like they have this like playlist of hits from the last like 40 years and you listen to some and it's like, wow, this is really immersive. And you listen to another one. And I'm like, what's the difference between this and the stereo version? There's nothing or almost yeah. nothing. Yeah. And so I and, think well, so, that could so, be something we... having to. No, I was going to say, I think it just has something to do with that could be like the technology and when it was recorded or, you know, how the, the music was saved over the years was it stored on tape and then converted to mm-hmm. digital and like all these other things like that. Yeah. A lot of hoops to jump through. What I've found, which really interesting is. I, uh, so I took a similar route to you. So, uh, I, I don't want to get to Tom Sawyer here in just a second, but let's talk overall real briefly. Mm-hmm. I, I did the same thing. I went through the spatial audio playlist that Apple created just for all rock music. Mm-hmm. And there's some 60s, there's some 70s, there's some 80s, and some 90s. That, and there's some shit that I skipped, like yeah. Papa Roach. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to hear, like, look, spatial audio is not going to make last resort sound better. No, it's not. <laughs> Bottom line, okay? You can't polish that turd. So... What I noticed is that, to me, stuff from the 60s and 70s, especially, it works. Mm-hmm. It really works well. A mm-hmm. couple of good examples. Um, the Beatles tracks, whoever did the Beatles spatial audio with this, I, I think, I, don't, I mean, whoever engineered it, I guess, I don't know if it's just different teams at Apple working on different stuff, or it's just a plug-in that they do and it automatically does it. Yeah. But the Beatles stuff sounded amazing. The other stuff that sounded amazing, surprisingly, some of the acoustic stuff sounded really good. I listened to Tom Petty's Wallflowers on mm-hmm. there, and it sounded dynamite. I listened to REM Automatic for the People, and it sounded terrific. I listened to Counting Crows uh, Round Here and Mr. Jones mm-hmm. and heard a whole bunch of cool stuff in there that I thought sounded really good. So how I would rate what they did for when doves cry on just spatial audio, I would say it got a four when it comes to Tom Sawyer. Here's where things start to get a little bit different. I, first of all, there, I felt like the biggest thing that I noticed, and um, I'll preface this by saying that when I listened to all of this, I wasn't just doing stuff around the house. I was very much aware and trying to be Mm -hmm. involved with the experience of it. So I had my earbuds in, and like nothing else going on, and I'm giving this my full attention, right? Right. The, that first chord of Tom Sawyer sounds massive. It, it does. With the it spatial audio huge. turned on. That's what... So here's a, here's a good foil. Intro to When Doves Cry, they fucked up. <laughs> Intro to Tom Sawyer, I was like, you guys nailed it. Yeah. Now, 
where as it starts to go in, all right, here's here's what I'm picking up on with the spatial audio thing. There's a lot more clarity to me in the bass mm-hmm. and in the synth of Tom Sawyer. This is where it gets tricky. <laughs> you don't really need to hear more synth. Exactly. <laughs> Tom Sawyer. <laughs> There's tons. Okay. <laughs> and it does make it sound a little more dated to me. That's what I, the do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. I was like, it was too much. It just, that was, part to me felt like, hey, we'll just turn the volume up on this because everybody knows this part. That's kind of, yep. that's what it felt like to me, which that's part of the song. That's kind of a catchy little loop, but it's not the song. <laughs> and the guitar was down. Right. It's a rock song. That guitar needs to be right up there in your face, at least in my and opinion. And I, I, well, and I, I agree with you. And there's that brings up the other two examples where when I listened to spatial audio versions of the song, I felt like it had less of an addition and more of a subtraction. Like it hurt the song mm-hmm. even more. And the two examples there were both songs from the 90s that are real heavy guitar driven tracks. One of them was the spatial audio version of Buddy Holly by Weezer. Mm-hmm. And the other one was the spatial audio version of All Over You by Live. Mm -hmm. And these are both big, just epic, heavy, heavy songs. And I guess in the spirit of trying to make everything sound a little more equal in presence, what you lose in both of those was that oomph, that just driving, the dynamics got sucked out of it. When I first turned on Buddy Holly, I was like, ooh, this sounds weak. Just like, ugh. Yeah. And then I checked out Live All Over You, and that's another one that's a high-energy song, and a lot of that energy comes from the guitar uh, and how it, how up front in the mix that it is. And when you start taking that away, you might get a, ba- a more balance, but you lose something. And what you lose is the impact of the song and some of those dynamics. Yeah. So kind of hit and miss with some of that. And Rush's Tom Sawyer was uh I, th- I thought was an example of this i like the punchier vocals i like that i could hear getty lee more mm-hmm. i like that some of the drums had a little more clarity to it but one of the things i was hoping for was more clarity and more immersive guitar mm-hmm. and it sounds like they just turned it down some so yeah yeah it's it's not it, it's very hit or miss like the song rush uh, Rush's song, Tom Sawyer, I give it a four and a half. It's a solid song. It's a great it's song. It's a four and a half song. It's, yeah. it's a classic, amazing song. The the Dolby Atmos, overall, like I think an overall rating, at least up to now. I mean, it's been out, what, two weeks now? So over so. for right now, it's a new technology. It's a new way they're doing music. I'm giving it a three and a half beards for what I've listened to. They're yep. like, I'm actually when the first day when I first heard it and was paying attention, listened to a few different tracks. I was like, Oh, I want to hear one of my favorite albums done in this. I want to hear either the newest Deftones album, or I'm going to hear white pony done in this. And then after about a week, I stopped and I thought, I don't know if I want to hear this done in spatial audio. I think it might ruin it because Deftones have everything is guitar driven. Everything is huge, massive. The guitar has this huge weight in the presentation and the presence of the music. And if they mess with that at all, it's going to kill that music. So I'm kind of just like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the, the good news is you can turn it off. Right. Uh, and so that's, that's kind of the nice thing about it is I think if, if for stuff like that, if you don't like it 
Uh, if you're not a fan, you can just go to your settings and, and flip that switch, and then you're right back where you started. So I would agree. I think for for both When Doves Cry and for Tom Sawyer, I don't know. When Doves Cry, for the spatial audio, I think they did a better job, and so I'd give that one a four. Mm-hmm. But for Tom Sawyer, I'd give it a three and a half. Um, what interesting, the the clarity of the vocals was was and the clarity of the bass was what really caught me. Um, you know me, I don't I don't ever really hear and understand what they're saying with lyrics. I, right. I feel like it's the for the first time I understood a lot more of what Getty Lee was seeing. Like the <laughs> the diction was clearer, right? His enunciation was stronger with spatial audio. Yeah. So I I I think I have high hopes for it. I can tell Apple is really putting their money behind this and they're really pushing this and trying to make this a new thing. I think it'll catch on. Personally, I just hope that whoever is working on this software and the people mixing this don't get so caught up in the hype of it that they forget how to like, don't take away from certain artists because certain artists are popular for a reason. What makes certain music great is like the presence of the vocalist, the presence of a guitarist, the presence of a drummer. And you start to take like, if you, if you, I mean, something that you love, Mr. Bungle, if they go in and cheapen the guitars and make the drums overbearingly loud, and then you can hardly hear the vocals, you're going to be like, fuck this. We're going to have words. (laughs) We're going to have words. (laughs) I'm going to write a strongly worded letter in Steve Jobs's blood. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So like I'm looking at their, I'm looking at their playlist that they have right now. And it's, it really is. What's interesting is <laughs> they're clearly trying to get as wide of an audience as they can because yeah. uh, you know they haven't gotten any like deaf tones or any of the stuff that I like. Yeah, yet. <laughs> okay, I I do like Counting Crows and I do like uh, uh, REM a lot, but you know it's it's very interesting how wide of a net they're trying to cast right now. As they did like Sublime, you know, yeah. and like, oh everybody likes this and Hoobastank. I was like, yeah, Come on, man. So I think that once they work through their their pop groups and a lot of the hip hop and stuff like that, um, it, it should be fun to listen to. As far as albums, I know this week uh, we both picked albums that had mm-hmm. spatial audio right. mixes to them as well. I didn't do a kind of before and after side by side with these. The only with the the St. Vincent record that mm-hmm. I picked, uh, Daddy's Home, had I listened to the stereo version of the single that kicks off that record, pay your way in pain. After that, I just listened to it with the Dolby Atmos on. So mm-hmm. my review of everything, when we get into both of our mix, our, our albums for the week is going to be very much continuation of the Dolby Atmos style review. So anything I talk about with production and whatnot, uh, just know that that's coming. So would you like to go first or would you like sure, I'll go to first. talk about St. Vincent first? Sure. Okay. Let's talk about future utopia. So this week I picked future utopia's new album, uh, what's it? Oh yeah. 12 questions, 12 questions. So I'd never really heard of future utopia. I was going through albums of just music, trying to find something in spatial audio. So I was like, I came to this album and I started listening to it and I was like, Oh, okay. There's some songs in here that I find really catchy. So when I picked that, I'd listened to probably the first like five or six tracks. So I, I, my first initial impression was the production's really good. I like the clarity of all the vocals of this. I like the bigness of some of the drums and the bass lines and mm-hmm. uh, like some of the sampling on some of the songs. 
are are done really really well and it's it adds to the vibe of the music and i really really enjoyed it so after getting through this several times i had the complete opposite happen to what usually happens to me my first few listen throughs i loved this now after a week i don't like it so much <laughs> okay and it's not that it's not the adult me atmos it's too much talking <laughs> it's and at first i thought it was cool and i you know track three faith or fear part two featuring idris elba at first i was like cool i've always thought he has a really cool voice i like his accent he's an actor that i really like a lot of his like tv like luther that show such a great show a lot mm-hmm. of his stuff i find really really entertaining but I will say, um, I, I understand this is kind of like a concept album. They want to talk about like these 12 questions and what does it mean for humanity and things like that. It just, to me, was a, I was hoping, I, I don't know, at least for me, I feel like it would have be- been better pulled, what's not better pulled, it would have went off better, at least to me, if it was more, the questions were asked and answered more through the music rather than through the, in the talking, you know, the spoken word sections. And sometimes it's like two or three tracks in between songs that are just spoken word with like a little beat yeah. behind it or a little bit of a, yeah. you know, synth or something behind it. And not that I think spoken word is bad. Spoken word has its place. These people are stupid talented. Like these people are phenomenally talented, but it's just not my thing. I mean, concept albums aren't really my thing to begin with, but it was just too much talking. I found myself, especially the last couple of days, I was like, oh, this is an interlude. Bam. Just skip it and go to the music because I wanted to hear the music. And the music, at yeah. least to me, provided more of what Dolby Atmos is all about because you have like a little backing track with vocals. That's only two things. There's nothing really to get immersed in right there. You know, somebody talking and a little bit of background stuff. Um, uh, Million Dollar Bill, I think, was a great song. It was just really catchy, although I always find it super ironic when uh, millionaires want to write songs about, oh, what is it ever enough? Is it ever enough? We're so... And I'm like, come on. Like, shut the fuck up. You're fucking rich. Do you give away most of your fortune to help the poor? No. So shut the fuck up. Stop being a hypocrite. Like, you want to sit here and like, oh, everyone needs to love each other and we need to help out the poor. But what are you doing? You're driving around in a Bentley. You're wearing a $10,000 chain. You're buying... Fr- you know, you're living at an economic place that 90% of people on earth will never understand. So it just seems super hypocritical. Not that I hate people who are successful. If you work hard and you earn it, that's fine. Just don't come and put it in my face. Like I need to be doing something about it. (laughs) Uh, Children of the internet was interesting at first. And then it was interesting from like a sociological standpoint, like, you know, what are kids being raised up in? They're being raised on the internet. People are very disconnected now because of their cell phones. Interesting, but it got kind of bland. Uh, do we really care? Same thing. Uh, mountain girl threw me for a loop. It's not even a hip hop song. I loved that track. Yeah. yeah, I was like, whoa, what is this? That was so cool. I loved the inclusion of that track. Ruel's vocals are phenomenal on that track. Yeah, that 
that knocked my socks off. Uh, and then the track following, is it too late to save the planet? Just came off super tree huggery and whiny to me. And that just was like, ugh. not that I'm against, I, I am all for saving the environment. Heck I want an electric car. I just, sometimes it's a bit too much for me. <laughs> um, uh, Stranger in the Night was okay. Like I said, there's probably like four or five music tracks that I think on there that are phenomenal and some decent ones, but 21 tracks with probably at least 15 of them just being talking. <laughs> yeah. And what did you think about it, Dan? I, I man, I, you hit it a hundred percent nail on the head for me with every thing that I, com- I wanted to complain about with this record. Same thing. The record starts. It's got like the orchestra tuning up. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh shit, this is gonna be cool." Yeah. Um. I you know I turned it up really loud, and and I think first of all, this is a mislabeled record. This isn't this isn't hip hop. This isn't rap. There's there's very little of that. I was hoping for more rhyming, more flow, more bars, yeah. more yeah, you know anything like that. And I, I I didn't get that at all. Um. Yeah, musically incredible. Uh, there's there's a lot of really cool stuff that's going on in this. I loved the the production of it. Um, I think some of it does really well with the Dolby Atmos, uh, with mm-hmm. the exception of I do feel like with the Dolby Atmos, the vocals come way too far up in the front just overall, mm-hmm. and and it it again same kind of complaint. It, it's it's a little too much in the mix, and I have a hard time. I want to hear more of the background stuff. I want more of that balance. Right. Um, although I, I will say that for both albums, just as a quick note, the Dolby Atmos does better at higher volumes than at lower volumes. It's where mm-hmm. I really start to notice more. Oh, no, that is very true. But after that, okay. Yeah. I, and man, shame on me because, um, he, <laughs> I didn't pick up on this as a, as a concept record and the whole like 12 questions thing. And even just now, while you were going through and describing it, I, I just pulled up, I was going to do a little bit of a bio on the artist. Um, but it, it, so it looks like future utopia is just one guy. It's Fraser T Smith mm-hmm. and he's kind of producing it and just getting all these guest people. I didn't connect the dots of the 12 questions theme mm-hmm. with each of the songs. I just got really annoyed <laughs> every time they would start with like the spoken word thing. Right. Because I was the same response. I was like, you pretentious douchebag. Right. You know, like, Oh, we're so addicted to technology. Oh, we use our phones too much. Oh, listen to this on Dolby Atmos on your iPhone, please. Exactly. You don't see the irony there. You don't see the fucking juxtaposition of it. Um, I've never been, uh, I mean like, and some of the stuff that's my God, it's meant to be like touching and like really hard. There's a song. I don't even know the name of it where he's, he's saying like covered in the blood of Christ, covered in the blood of Christ, mm-hmm. but he's got such a, like, he says it crashed, mm-hmm. like crashed. Yeah. Go for the blood of Christ. Yeah. I'm like, dude, you're so British. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> 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 nothing against British people. Just that, whoever that was on that one song. And so as it mean, fear or faith, I thought was a good start to the record. Mm-hmm. The first couple of tracks really had me going. Um, by the end of this, this was a slog for yeah. me. <laughs> Uh, I, I really just, I had to buckle up and kind of trudge through this one. And ultimately what I ended up with was, I feel like a record that is incomplete. 
It does feel very incomplete because by the time I, I always keep all of my playlists, everything I play is always on just repeat all. So it goes to the end and it goes back to the top. That's how I know. Cause I like continuous music. If I'm going to sleep to it or stuff like that, that's why. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to the end and it goes back to the top and you hear that orchestra kick in again, I'm like, that's it. First time I was like that. That's it. I was like, yeah. I got fucking gypped. <laughs> yeah. Like dude, what to do, do anything? Like, don't write 21 half songs, right. write 10 full songs, right. you son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, that was, that was uh. so frustrating. And it did it again to me yesterday. I've listened to this for several times. I'm listening again and got to the end. I was like, ah, damn it. <laughs> it was I just did too. And so disappointed. <laughs> the, so concept albums to me, the ones that work, work like a symphony works okay Mm -hmm. and a a symphony is based on themes and movements and motifs and the ability to bring those back and connect them musically is always a trademark good quality of a concept record to me and that's Mm -hmm. one of the things that i look for rarely if ever when i listen to a concept record am i listening to it going oh what's the story <laughs> right how are these things connected cuz i don't give a shit right about that what's always more impressive to me is going to be the musicality and the sonic qualities of what i'm listening to mm-hmm. and man i'm sorry but you know what this like i got stoned when i was 20 and i thought about big stuff like this too okay i don't need to hear it from you now i'm sure there's some kid that's discovering this and thinks it's like the most thought out brilliant shit in the world. And that's cool. Cause that's for them. Right. This is just not for me. Right. I'm 39. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I use my cell phone. Yeah. I recycle, get off my fucking back about it. Right. Okay. I'm pretty sure I know what the meaning of life is right now. It's to be a bit good person to have integrity and have a good time, but do, you know, be an honorable, just have good morals type of thing. I don't need you just, at, you know, stuff like that with big questions. The older I get, the less patience that I have for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to stop talking. <laughs> one and a half beards. I, I gave it I gave it one and a half beards, too. I was going to give it two. But really stopping and think about it, there's musically, it's only got like four tracks that are really good. And I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to go back and listen to those all the time. Because they're they're good, but the overall blandness of this record just takes away from the whole entire experience. Because this, you can tell, it was written and designed to be an experience. Just for me, it's not a very good one. You know what? You know what this is, Mark. It doesn't feel genuine. Oh, you just hit the nail on the head there. It feels like the guy goes, "I'm going to manufacture." introspection mm-hmm. and I'm going to write a deep album instead of having these deep thoughts and writing something based on that. Right. This feels so inauthentic to me that. Yeah. That's, um, I think that's I, why you know the million, that's why some, a lot of the lyrics and the themes really rub me the wrong way because it does feel very inauthentic and not genuine. Yeah. You just hit the nail on the head right there. Yeah. And that's going to bump it down. I'm giving it a one. <laughs> And the thing I'll is, give it a lowest rating so far it, on the podcast. I'm too generous with my ratings anyway. Yeah. I got to be more critical. It could have, it really could have been better, but man, it just, it could have, I feel like if they would have changed the subject matter, that would have helped a lot. Yeah. 
it, even that would write that even and but they could have kept the same amount of spoken word tracks but if they just changed the subject matter and didn't come off so elitist like oh yeah. we're, this is we're telling you what to think how to think how to feel kind of thing that probably would have helped a lot but man yeah, it, i mean how british of you oh we're british we're civilized we'll tell you what to think <laughs> I don't even know if it's just limited to the British. Like I'm, I'm listening to this and it's like reminding me of when Joaquin Phoenix got his Oscar and spent the whole time talking about like how we oh, shouldn't eat cows. Cause like right. a mama cow has her baby ripped from her and stuff. And I was like, it's a fucking cow. Like it's, yeah. you know what? It's, it's okay. Like I can say like, Hey, look, don't eat cows because the methane and stuff, but don't try to sell me on a mama cow and a baby cow. Right. And yeah. Uh, so I think the same reason why people get mad when uh, Oscar winners use their award speeches to have an, have some sort of agenda. Right. It's the same reason why I get mad <laughs> listening to future utopia. <laughs> so let's move on. What did you pick? Let's for this carry week, on. <laughs> well, I was really excited. Um, I, I was excited about this week because I got to pick an album that has been out for a couple of weeks now. Um, an artist that I absolutely have grown to love called St. Vincent. Um, a little bit about St. Vincent as a bio. Uh, St. Vincent is the, um, the, the pseudonym, I guess, of Annie Clark, who is a multi-instrumentalist uh, out of Texas, actually. She grew up in uh, Dallas, I think, and got her start as one of the members of the Polyphonic Spree. Mm-hmm. Do you have, did you ever listen to Polyphonic Spree? No. It's like 50 people. Okay. <laughs> um, it really is. It's a big band. They all, and they all dress in cult robes. It's very bizarre. Their, their, their whole presentation is really interesting. And they were kind of an indie rock group, they have one song that I absolutely love that was on the soundtrack to eternal sunshine from the spotless mind. But obviously, I had no clue who St. Vincent was until she got her start with her solo career. And even then, um, she had a few albums before she came onto my radar. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am I'm late to the St. Vincent game, I admit it. I really got into her stuff with her 2014 self-titled album called St. Vincent, and then started to listen to some of her back catalog from there. And she's got a few different other albums. Strange Mercy in 2011 is, is a terrific record that I love. She did a full album with David Byrne from the talking heads. That is splendid. It's just an absolute treat to listen to. And then, uh, I was really impressed with her last record up until this one called mass education, uh, or mass seduction, excuse me, mass seduction that came out in 2017 was one of my favorite albums then. So, as the more I listen to St. Vincent, the more she kind of grows on me. Um, some of the stuff that she's, she's known for, um, she plays a very weird looking guitar. Mm-hmm. She includes a lot of guitar in her music. Um, she often changes genres quite a bit in her songwriting styles, going from anywhere from pop into a little more of an industrial style, into more of a dance kind of thing, into new wave. She's, she's very all over the place sonically with her music. But it's very cool because it all sounds like St. Vincent. She's got kind of a trademark style. Mm-hmm. You and I reviewed uh, the first single off of her new record called Daddy's Home uh, on one of our earlier episodes called Pay Your Way in Pain, which is a song that I really, uh, I was a big fan of when it came out. I love 70s soul and funk. And so to hear her do that, yeah. again, getting into a new genre, got super psyched for this record uh, when it came out. And 
I got to tell you, like, it's different than Pay Your Way in Pain. That's a kind of a standout track. And there's two others that mirror it in terms of kind of the 70s. But overall, this is a lot more of a mellow album. This is way mellow. Than than I thought it was going to be. And um, it sounds fantastic. I, I I really got into this a lot. Um, I will say it's not without its flaws. Um, you know, the record's called Daddy's Home. Uh, if it had a full title, it would be Daddy's Home, colon, I hope you like sitar sounds. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, that's true. <laughs> and we're going to bump it up with the Dolby Atmos. <laughs> And we're going to do that. And that sitar is going to be everywhere. Um, I don't know. She latched onto that. That's, that's, it's her playing guitar. That's really cool. And, uh, but yeah, she, she, she found that one pedal and she was like, I'm using this on everything. Cause it is all over the record. Yeah. I read an, I watched an interview with her. Uh, and I read a, a short interview with her where she was talking about her inspiration for this record. And it's kind of a neat story. Um, her father was incarcerated in a federal penitentiary for like a tax evasion or something for a over a decade and got released and it stirred up a lot of emotions with her and stuff and and caused her to go and write this record and she was really clear on one interview she was like i started to write my next album and my goal was to write a heavy metal kind of album in the style of tool Mm -hmm. she was like i wanted to write this like dark progressive moody like just heavy track. And then all of a sudden these other songs came out and I just went with where inspiration took me. Mm-hmm. And, um, so what I liked is that, yeah, everything has a kind of seventies vibe to it. I hear a lot of Steely Dan influence. I hear a lot of Stevie wonder influence in this. Uh, it's just seventies all the way. Um, and, and I liked that a lot. I like the seventies sound effects that they get into. Um, some of the standout tracks for me specifically are, live in the dream was dynamite and is a real testament to how well orchestrated this record is. Um, obviously the single pay your way in pain. I was a big fan of, I love the laughing man. I love somebody like me, um, at the holiday part. I think it was the name of that song. Um, is either at the holiday part or at the holiday part. And my auto, my phone auto corrected it, but it's got this really killer groove at the end. Um, I thought it was overall just a really, really, uh, a lot of fun record. And I was surprised and I was pleasantly surprised that it was different than pay your way in pain. I thought it was going to be this whole funky David Bowie fame (laughs) kind of thing all the way through and how wrong I was and how happy I was that it was wrong. Um, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to get into some more of it, Mm -hmm. but I want to turn it over to you. What were your thoughts going through the record? So like you, I was expecting more. Every, the album to carry along more like the first single did. Um, the 70s influences on this are vast and heavy. The one influence, at least to me, one artist I feel influenced this album more than any other was Pink Floyd. There oh, is really? Okay. So, to me, there is so much Pink Floyd all over this. Like... Uh, the, especially I noticed it once you get to live in the dream track four. Yeah. And then from there on out, not every song is like, feels super Pink Floyd, but there you, I'll be sitting there. Oh, wow. That that's kind of like Pink Floyd esque. There's a lot of it going through there, which was really cool. Cause I haven't heard anybody, at least I haven't heard any modern artists, like at least to me, like tip their cap to Pink Floyd 
like she mm. did, which I thought was super cool. Down was a really good song. Um, yeah, Down is a great one. My Baby Wants a Baby. Little weird, <laughs> but I loved it. <laughs> and I loved it. That had such cool chord changes to me. Yeah. Um, how it kind of modulated up, uh, almost like a, you know, it feels like almost like it was changing keys each time that she would go up. Oh, so I like that a lot. And then yeah. which track is it? Is it daddy's home or down and out downtown? The one where she's just screaming. She's like, ah, that's down and out downtown. Yeah, down and out downtown. I think. That I loved that song up until that part. There was something about the abrasiveness. I a crazy thing is, is I love metal music. I love hard music. And for some reason, it's just like, and I listened to it again today and I was like, why does this bother me? <laughs> I, I can't really tell you why it just does. <laughs> so, but I, I did appreciate the fact that here's someone who's like, they're, they're going with their inspiration. They're experimenting. They aren't afraid. They don't feel like, oh, I have to do the status quo thing of what everyone would expect. I'm going to throw in some screams here. And hats off to you. That's fantastic. It just, I think what it is, it's so out of the ordinary for what I was expecting. It just becomes abrasive, which I was just kind of like, whoa, this is really it's jarring. Unexpected. Yeah. Um, oh, at the holiday party. I was wrong. I said holiday part, but it's at the holiday party. Yeah. At the holiday party. Candy track. darling. Yeah. I thought Candy Darling was just okay. That was probably one of the weaker overall songs on me. Still had a really good melody on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's funny. You mentioned the Pink Floyd thing, but what really, I didn't think of this until you said the Pink Floyd thing. And I hear what you hear, but I like to offer a different comparison that might make a little more sense. Because there's a little more kitsch to this than I get with Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. And what this reminds me of, it's like an entire album based on the breakdown midsection of Blinded by the Light. Okay, I can see that. <laughs> right before he gets to the part where he's like, Mama, Mama, tell me not to look into the eyes of the uh-huh. sun, but Mama, <laughs> you know, uh, like that whole part with the guitar solo and the real kind of futuristic sounds or like, uh, it's got like some, even like some Steve Miller, like fly, like an Eagle vibes. Yeah. I hear more of that and, and not as quite as much pink Floyd in it. Um, but that I wouldn't have thought I wouldn't have made that comparison until you brought up pink Floyd. So clearly there's a, there's a through thread there of the 70s stuff that we're hearing. Oh, I heard a lot of Steely Dan too. Yeah. The Steely Dan came out in, in really in the jazzy parts to me. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I respect about this record overall is there is a there's some space to it. And this is where I think the Dolby Atmos served it really well. First of all, the intro track, Pay Your Way in Pain, I heard some instrumentation in there that I didn't pick up on listening to the stereo. There's some cool acoustic stuff going on, some rhythmic acoustic guitars that are like doing these these kind of chromatic slide downs and pay your way in pain. There's some there's some neat stuff just hidden in the mixes of that track that I thought was very good, especially with the Dolby Atmos turned up loud. I was able to pick Mm -hmm. apart a lot of the very, the nuances of what's going on in there. But after that, what I was really happy was, is that here she is, she's setting up these grooves. She's allowing these tracks to breathe and there's a space to it. There's not every, there's not always notes upon notes filling in every mm-hmm. gap like there is in Pay Your Way in Pain, right. which is really just a very dense thing. Um, 
live in the dream, for example, and and even like even Candy Darling, uh, you know, to help close out the track. There's uh, there's just a there's room, and there's I don't know how else to describe it. There's just there's an openness to the kind of style of songwriting that I thought was very cool, yeah. and it allows it a chance to breathe and get into a vibe, and and maybe that's some of the Pink Floydness that I hear is. No one's in a rush, right? On a lot of the record, like every everybody's taking their time. It's a very patient listen, and it's a very rewarding listen if you're willing to be patient with right. it. Um, couple of dings. I feel like it, you know we didn't need the humming interludes. Those yeah. were okay, uh, but they didn't they didn't really go anywhere for me. What they reminded me of, which was kind of weird, the last one ending on humming interlude number three was interesting because it reminded me a little bit of Dave Matthews Band before these crowded streets how it kind of starts and ends with these musical codas that are just these little 20 second things, thoughts and don't really go into anything else. Um, and it can kind of work to serve the theme of the record. I would thought it would have been cool if she had maybe opened with one and closed with one. So it bookended the record mm -hmm. instead of just opening with pay your way in pain. Um, in fact, I, I, I almost feel like if she would have reordered some of the tracks of this record, it would have had a little more of a comprehensive or a cohesive sound all the way through. Um, and I, I think pay your way of pain, pay your way in pain could have worked really nicely as a kind of a midpoint yeah. in the record instead of kicking it off and then all of a sudden going in a different direction. So my couple of things there are, are with little stuff like that. That's quite nitpicky. And I it did get tired of the sitar guitar effect on there. Mm -hmm. um, other than that, there's some badass like guitar solos that she's doing. That um, she's got a really unique way of phrasing things and playing that I thought was really cool. And she always does pick really nice guitar tones. Overall, I'm going to give it a solid, like a really solid four beards. This is, um, you know, kind of in line with the rest of, of St. Vincent's catalog. Uh, dude, if she comes back to Houston, I, I screwed up. I had tickets to see her one time. Didn't get to go. Um, I won free tickets at yeah. House of Blues and I, I've been kicking myself ever since then. So. If she comes back, I'm not skipping that opportunity again. Uh, especially, I want to hear some of the, the songs yeah. that she's playing off this record, because this was a lot of fun. I'm giving it three and a half beards. Um, it just... The, the nitpickiness, the things that you picked on, and some of the not-quite-cohesiveness kind of bugged me. There was just a few, the songs that I didn't like, I just didn't like them. Like sometimes when I'm listening to the albums that we're listening to, I'm like, oh, okay, that song, it's okay. But then mm -hmm. there was a couple of tracks in the room. It's not that this is okay. I'm just like, eh, I don't even want to bother with this. Um, yeah. It's just, it just doesn't do anything for me. Um, but it was only like a couple of them. Uh, I, I want, I would love to hear more of her back catalog. So I'm gonna go back and listen to it. It's a good album. It's definitely above average. I think it, the reason I'm only giving it a three and a half is probably just more of a personal taste thing though. Okay. Fair enough. I think if you're going to check out her back catalog, I would highly recommend her, mo her last record mass seduction, mm -hmm. and then go listen to St. Vincent. The one that came out in 2014, there's a deluxe version of that record. That's about 16 tracks. That's that's her best record to me. That one's just dynamite. Okay. There's some other stuff that she has that I'm not as much of a fan of, but those those are two really really strong offerings. Cool. Yeah, I'll go check those out. Um, so, what did you pick for next week? Okay, <laughs> I 
I want I want to do this. I'm gonna save it. Uh, I'm gonna be just real transparent. Um, because I I feel like we had two weeks of just kind of odd, bizarre stuff, and so I want to go back to my roots uh-huh. a little bit. Okay. Um, the, the album I want to do, and I'm just gonna save it for a little while because we're gonna have to be in a right head space for it. Uh, I started listening to Danny Elfman's record. You remember we reviewed his single, yep, yep. the real bizarre kick me song. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he made a double album and um, it, it's got a lot of, it's just, it's called a big mess and it is a big messy record. <laughs> and um, I, I'm just now kind of scratching the surface of it. So I want to get to that one, but not this week. This week I, I stumbled upon this. I haven't listened to this shit since high school, bro. Ooh. Fear factory. Has a oh. new album. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we're gonna go straight from seventies. We we went from for me at least from Man Man, which is you know Tom Waits musical theater, into Saint Vincent, which is seventies Steely Dan, and we're gonna go into like full on nineties industrial metal at its peak. Okay. With Fear Factor's newest record, I'm excited for this one. I I gave it a once through mm-hmm. the other day, just listening to it, um, and I read about it. And Fear Factory has always had really kind of a tumultuous uh, internal conflict with the band. Like they're they're one of those bands that fought a lot and were very public about it. Their right. singer did this last album and quit. Oh damn! He is done. He is done. He is out. So this is probably the last Fear Factory album that we're gonna get. Yeah, it's kind of their swan song. It's not intended to be, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I'm excited for this. I listened to it once through, and this is this is probably the best thing that I've heard them do since Demanufacture in 1994. So very okay. excited about it. The album, uh, I got to look it up while you're looking up your while you're telling me about your pick. I'll I'll look up the title of the album because I don't have it in front of me. Oh, okay, so I'm I am going to pick. So the last couple weeks, like this week and then last week. Uh, we definitely were exploring more experimental or kind of like outside music. Uh, not, not outsider music like Wesley Willis, just outside <laughs> right. of the norm music. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go back to my straight to my roots. One of my favorite albums ever. Uh, it is a dance record cascades album, the grand, and okay. it is, it's mixed. So start to finish, it's just seamless all the way through. Everything is mixed. Uh, I think like it's that. like 13 yeah. or 14 tracks. Uh, I will be honest, very few records, dance records. I love dance music, but very few dance records. I feel pull that off. Well, this is one of mm-hmm. the albums to me that pulls it off. Well, I feel too many dance artists are like, Oh, I want to make a seamless listening experience. And they kind of just cram shit together. That doesn't go together. This album okay. to me was very well put together. Very well thought out. I've been wanting to do this for a while and I was waiting for like the right time. And right now I'm like, I'm a bit tired of the, <laughs> the outside stuff. We're going to go straight back to some of my favorite stuff. Uh, this album is maybe like 13, 14 years old, or maybe like around 10, cool. somewhere around 10 years old. Um, some of Cascade's best, best work and it's songs that he either produced and wrote for himself or he produced for other artists and he kind of put together on this compilation and then mixed it together or it's other songs for other people that he remixed. So it's some of its original stuff that he did, some of its stuff that he remixed, some of its stuff that he, you know, produced for other artists. So there's a lot of a uh, lot of variety in this even though it's a dance album with the four on the floor beat, but there's a ton of 
variety. There's these neat little like changes between certain tracks. Like it'll, you know, it'll go from a dance track to some, like this really cool melodic guitar part. It just, it's these really cool things that are done. It's super okay. fun, uh, really upbeat and happy. There's one of my favorite songs on here. He remixed uh, an Australian group, Pinal. He remixed one of their songs. It's so good, but because it's it, okay. Th- this is the thing. I've never been to Australia, but what do you think of when you uh, think of Australia getting killed by wildlife crowded house, <laughs> <laughs> uh, crowded house. I was like, I just think of crowded house. Hey now, Hey now, <laughs> don't dream. It's I, w- I was going to say uh, getting killed by all the wildlife or a bunch of drunk Australians. And what do the vocals on this song sound like a bunch of drunk Australians? <laughs> Oh, very good. Okay, so I'm picturing like a a um, flogging Molly, but just the Australian version. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> okay, yeah. It's uh, whenever I show this to people, they're like, "What is this?" I'm like, "A bunch of fucking drunk Australians." <laughs> nice. Is Cascade Australian? No, he's not. He's from San Francisco. Okay, but uh, he just you know found that found the song that Pinal did, remixed it, and. Like their song was great to begin with. I just like the way he put it together better. He remixed it better. It's it's just really fun because he takes like some of the elements of it and like jazzes it up and makes it really epic. So yeah, very good. I really right. dig that. So it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of variety within the full big mix of it. So yeah, and I I would have never pictured you picking a Fear Factory album. So this is going to be fun to do. Hey man, look, let me tell you, and I'm I'll I'll give you more of this backstory you know, as we get into it next week, but I got into fear factory in high school mm-hmm. and there, they got those two records, D manufacture and obsolete that were back to back. And those were two really important records to me in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't make them great, right? but <laughs> they, I, I am fond of these records. And so this just puts me right back in that spot again. I mean, I'm picturing myself riding around in like my 89 Toyota Corolla uh, just riding through different neighborhoods in Baton Rouge, smoking pot out of a corn cob pipe that we stole from Walgreens <laughs> and took one of the little screens off of a sink to put a screen in it. Um, you know, just real good times listening to these fucking albums. And it brought me right back there, uh, just as a 39 year old man. <laughs> cool. I can't so, wait. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad <laughs> thing, but, um, yeah, man, we're going to, we're going to have some fun. The album is called aggression continuum by fear factory. We're going to get into some shit next week. It's going to be a fun week. I'm excited. Cool. Okay. So, uh, real quick before we wrap up, uh, you can find us on Instagram. Dan, where can they find you? Dwight privilege. And you can find me on Instagram at Mr. Underscore pockets 21, or you can send us an email at wherepod at gmail.com. Give us some suggestions. I still, I haven't forgotten. We had one listener say they want us to review, um, some star set, and some periphery Star set and periphery. Right. So maybe the, maybe after we do this week, let's do a listener episode. Okay. That'd be fun. Yeah, Cause they want to do the star. I forget the name of the star set album. If I see the cover, I'll know which one it is. And then the okay. other listener wanted the periphery album. Hail, Hail Stan. Stan. I remember which that the one. opener yep. on that is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's going to be fun then. Cool. I'm going to pull, I'm going to hold off on the Danny Elfman until you're ready. Okay. <laughs> Um, cause I really want to review it, but I don't, I don't think it's going to be for you. <laughs> <I'll> be very- <laughs> 
Uh, no Just way. trying to look out for you, bud. No problem. You know? It's all good. We'll get to you it. You always hurt the ones you love. Yep. What can I say? <laughs> all righty. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you all next week.